So let me, let me pray for us, and we'll get started. So Father God, we thank you so much, Lord, for today, and just for your blessing on us all, and for bringing us here. We thank you, Lord, for your word, uh, for it's by your word that uh, uh, we can have salvation just by hearing and believing in the gospel. And so we thank you for that, Lord, and we thank you uh, for this class as we can uh, cover what the fundamentals of the Christian, uh, Christian faith is all about, Lord. And so we just pray that you would uh, help us to understand the precepts, the concepts, and um, apply it to our lives. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so um, you guys are new, so what we do beforehand, uh, or last week anyway, was to just kind of go over just individual um, uh, people, who they are, what they're, what they're about. But Ray, could you uh, tell us why we're here? About the fundamentals. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, this is why we're here. Have assurance of uh, eternal life. And one of the things we talked about last week was is it, is it possible that somebody could have a false assurance? Right? You're believing in the wrong thing, where are you going to go? We're going to talk about belief in, in uh, Jesus Christ. If you're believing in the wrong thing and you're believing in a, 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 you know, a works-based salvation, then they're going to end up in hell. And so it's important to know what you believe and to have your assurance in the right thing. And then secondly, to become equipped for ministry, right? Is it as we're all become believers, the Holy Spirit gives us uh, gifts, and those gifts are to be employed in the service of uh, the church, and that's for the edification or the perfecting of the, of the saints, and then lastly there, it's, uh, it's also to, to know God more deeply. Right? The more we know God, the more it's going to transform our, our hearts and minds. Okay, so um, let's go on and talk about the quiz. Because everybody did it, right? So can we read that? And I'll just go around there. So we'll start right now. Do we read the question? Read it or and answer it. Answer? Read it and answer oh. it. The Bible was written by a group of men at one point in time. False. False, right? And why is that false? Hmm? God wrote it, and but uh, a group of men at one point in time. No, not one point. Right. So how long? Right. So f about forty men over the span of four, uh, uh, fourteen hundred and ninety years, um, written in in uh, multiple countries and in in three languages, but yet it is consistent all throughout scripture and the fact that these men in some cases didn't didn't even know the other parts of the bible that were written is even more astounding is it that points to the uh it points to the origin of the bible being external to man all right number two right the bible is composed of wise instruction from men and holy instruction from God, false. That's false, right? We would say that it's all God, it's, nothing of it's man, all God. right? So, what about when people say, "Well, I mean, how about uh, the the men who are used? Or what part is of of Scripture do they have in there?" Well, Paul, who was the one of the most academic and trained of all, had to go away in the wilderness. To relearn it. To learn it all, right? But, yeah, because he got it. It was all wrong. Yeah, so we would say, but the the people who wrote it is that you get their their personality, their writing style, <coughs> still, and that's how 
uh, sometimes you can identify um, individual epistles or things. Anyway, you know, Hebrews, which does not actually have a, an author listed in it. Normally, Paul writes something, he'll say, I, Paul, with Timothy or whomever. But Hebrews doesn't say that. And so people look at the styles of the writing of Hebrews and say, well, who is most likely to have written it based on style? A lot, of, a lot of people point to Paul for that. But it's not definitive because he doesn't say, I, Paul, which most of his epistles start with. So. I like what Wayne Grudem said about uh, Hebrews. He says, it's the one book we don't know who wrote it. You know, and he says, why is it in the canon? Because it's so good. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, excellent. It is. So, anyway, Tracy. Yes, Three. the entire Bible is inspired by that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes. Don't you hate it when you're right in the middle of something and then your computer says, oh, it's oh, wait, time to re-update or, or, or your, you know, your, what's that, McAfee, oh, you're out of, anyway, all right, uh, Jim, number four, please. Four, the Bible has been translated so many times that we have lost its meaning. That is false. And what is a good what is good evidence for that? If somebody says, "Well, how do you know that?" Well, the the uh, the line of of um, transcripts that go back mm -hmm. very consistent more than other right. works of ancient languages. So I would say that that's the biggest. The early transcripts we have many, many, many. Right, over six thousand. 6,000 transcripts. Like more every year. They keep finding more and more. And then how about the uh, how about the Dead Sea Scrolls? Evidence of the writing. In the Dead Sea Scrolls, we have um, in clay jars were the various um, books of the Bible. And so Isaiah was almost 100% complete. I think 99% of it was in there. And they dated it to prior, I don't know how many hundreds of years before Christ, but it is virtually identical to what we have today. So. In addition, the newer translations go back to older original manuscripts as archaeologists. As they're finding them. them so yeah. yeah, excellent. They become more accurate. Yeah, as time goes on, yeah. So it's interesting as archaeology, again, is proving the Bible, not the other way around. Right? So. Michael, number five. And that's kind of a trick question, so yeah. You have to pay it's hard to read. Yeah. <laughs> you have to pay attention to these kids. Sometimes they're pretty uh, word specific. So there may be one or two words in a in the question and you have to, you know, it, you have to pay pay particular attention there. Not to be tricky, but it's to it's to be able to slice and dice the actual understanding of, of a passage. So uh, Kathy, number six. The book of Acts is the history of the early church. True. True. Right. It's the history book. Uh, back over here, Brandon, number seven. Jesus Christ is the central figure of Scripture. True. True, yeah. Uh, Ray, number eight. New Testament has no relation to the Old Testament. False. That's false, right. You, you heard it said this is that in the... Uh, Old Testament, so the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed, 
and in the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed, right? So this is a kind of a good play on words, but there's really the relationship between Old and New Testament. They are uh, linked together, and they support literally one another. The Old Testament makes prophecies that come true in the New Testament. The New Testament refers back to the Old Testament in many places. Yes, Ray? The other thing is the New Testament assumes you know the attributes of God from the Old Testament. That's correct. Yeah. Because it doesn't teach that much. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's a good point. Good point. Uh, Tracy, number nine. Many of the books in the New Testament were letters written to the churches and individuals, yes. Yes, correct. And uh, number ten. Jim. The Bible has few, a few scientific mistakes. False. That's false, right? But in our secular world today, they will people will say that oh the Bible is just always wrong. It doesn't it doesn't conform to what science teaches today. But let's think about that for a minute. What is science? People always throw that word out there, science, science, science. Let's look at it from a practical standpoint. Science is it's observable. It's measurable, and it's repeatable. That's a scientific process, right? And so, what in history was measurable? Sorry, what was even observable? What's observable in history? Only the evidence of history, right? Unless, of course, there were eyewitnesses, which in the, in the New Testament we hear that term used is that we saw the Christ, we handled the Christ, we heard the Christ, right? So those are eyewitnesses. But was anybody here for Genesis? I mean, at the beginning when God created everything, what are we hearing? Well, the one eyewitnesses was God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and they gave us the account of what happened. Very good. Okay. Uh, anybody memorize 2 Timothy 3.16? No? Yeah, Michael. Uh, all Scripture is inspired by God and is prophetic. Is beneficial for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. Yes, good. I think one word doctrine for doctrine as well, right? Oh, okay. Yeah. Good job. Good what job. So what, yeah. Yeah, what translation is this? Uh, I think this is the. I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah, yeah, is, is this one the NASB? Teach them in partners. So yeah, uh, yeah. I'm that's part the it's marked different. Yeah, yeah. King James, New King James version has different words in there. Yes. And NASB has different words and has added a few words with it. Right. So that, I'm glad. I'm glad we got to this point because I want to make a just kind of a general statement here. Uh, while these memorization verses are probably the NASB, 95, right? Or 90? 95. 95, yeah. Um, when you memorize, memorize out of your own Bible that you use. And, and the reason is, is that if you're, when you're ever out sharing the gospel and you have your Bible with you or something and you are going to tell somebody a, a, a verse that you've memorized, and they say, well, I want to see that verse. And so you open it up, you want to see it the way you just repeated it to them. So that's why I say it would be advisable to memorize whatever in whatever Bible you're using. I'm, you know, I'm, a, I'm a, a New King James. I've been using the New King James my whole, my whole Christian life. Really? And so... <laughs> yeah. 
So, you know, that's what, what's I've, now, I always memorize sometimes that, you know, not knowing that idea about memorizing in the Bible use, many classes I took would use different versions, and so I would memorize that version, and so now I've got a jumbled, sometimes I jumble the actual uh, scriptures by imposing two different versions together, so. And that is true, when you go to talk to somebody, and they want to see, and you want to show them. Yes. Look, what I'm saying is right here, and they'll be like, "Hey, hey." Yeah, right. You added a word. What, what makes you... me believe you? Because you're not saying. <clears throat> right. Brown uh, yeah, hair. Uh, all the churches around here, especially the ones where we're from, up in Follett, a lot of them say if you don't use the King James version, you're out of the church. Yeah. You just don't use anything else other than that. Yeah. If you try to explain to it in a different translation. <laughs> That would just shut you off. Yeah, and that's... There's five different versions of King James. Only right, so. Three of them are heresies. Right. Two, I prefer it. Four is the language is more poetic. That's yeah. fine. You yeah. know, uh, but uh, to say it's, it's better than the Greek, that's heresy. Right. <laughs> or the Hebrew. I mean, and you think about it, uh, and we'll, I'll, we'll get to it in a minute, but, uh, and I'll cover you, I'll, we'll cover... The, the difficulties in translations anyway, the, no matter what the translation is, there's always an issue, right? And it's how uh, not every Greek word is easily translatable into every language that's out there, right? So and we'll look at that. All right, so let's, uh, let's look a little bit into uh, this particular passage. So um, what is doctrine? We look at this, what is doctrine? So... We talk about doctrine. Well, doctrine is what we're learning, right? It is, uh, it's literally what's right. It's divine, right? And then what is reproof? What is reproof? To correct. Right? It's to correct, right? You're going to, you know, somebody that's got it wrong. Maybe you've got the, um, uh, their understanding is wrong or their practice is wrong. And a reproof is telling them that it's wrong, right? And then... What about um, correction? What do we do with correction then? Well, correct, right? You point correct. them to the right way here. And then, of course, training. The training in righteousness is we take the doctrine and we teach the doctrine, and that's the training in righteousness. And so they get it right and they keep it right. Okay. So uh, Hebrews 4.12. Ray, could you read that one for us? The word of God is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit uh, of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Right. So we, we talk about the word. What is the word of God? Now when it says here, the word of God, what is it referring to? Is it? Scripture. It's all scripture, right? Is that when it says all here is it, it's living, and the word of God is active and sharper than any two-edged sword. We took it out. What does that mean? What is a two-edged sword? What do you do with a two-edged sword? It's a dangerous weapon. You, fight. you, you literally cut, right? You cut both directions. It's, cut on, it's sharp on the top and it's sharp on the bottom. You can cut this way or this way. And, of course, it talks about the, uh, the word of God is sharp. You've heard that before. It's piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit. Now, when you talk about that, is there really a difference between soul and spirit? Depends on your theology. Depends on your theology, right? 
A lot of places in the Bible, they're synonymous, but literally, while we cannot divide soul and spirit, this is saying that God's word can, right? even, down to, even down to marrow and joints, is that God's word is so precise that it can split soul and spirit or, jo- or joints and marrow, and judges the thoughts and intentions of the hearts. And I mean, again, what is the difference between your thoughts and intentions? Again, it's almost, they're almost synonymous, but God's word can separate that. Okay. Now, let's look at the roadmap for the lesson. We were going to talk about the revelation of God. Uh, and then part two, we'll talk about general information structures and themes. And then part three, we'll talk about the Bible's claim of inspiration. So again, this is three weeks on, on this lesson. Um and today, so we're covering the revelation of God. We talk about the Bible and the Bible um, the integration of design, 66 books written by 40 authors over, nine, uh, over uh, 1,500 years, almost 1,500 years. Augustine said in the Old Testament, we have the New Testament concealed, and the New Testament, we have the Old Testament revealed. Is that, there was a quote from Augustine that I mentioned earlier. So here's a question. How do we know there is a God? Kathy, what do you say? Kathy, what do you say? How do do we know there's a God? Michael, Um, go ahead. Well, all creation testifies of him. Very good, right? And so when you look at creation, what what is the thought that you see? There's something there. How did it get there? Someone had to create it. Someone had to create it, right? And so... Uh, I think that is uh, evidence that, in fact, there is a God. And it's like, if you've ever listened to Ray Comfort um, videos, and Ray Comfort is, a, is a, um, an evangelist, he goes out and shares the gospel a lot. And he'll ask people about that very question, how do you know there's a God? And he'll say, well, let's, let's take it down a little bit. And he said, you look at that building, how do you know there was a builder? Well, because there's a building, right? It didn't make itself, right? And he goes, so then, when you look at creation, what do you say? Well, there had to be a creator. And so who is powerful enough to create everything that we see? But also, general revelation included, includes our conscience. Uh, You're getting ahead of me, Ray. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so when we talk about revelation, what is the definition of revelation? An act of revealing or making known. Right? Literally, that's, that's what we say with revelations. You reveal something. You make it known, right? And so God is the source of revelation, not the imagination of man or some book or anything else. God's the source. And revelation is the way God chose to show himself to the world. Right? So there's two types of revelation that God used to reveal himself. Right? The first, natural or general revelation natural revelation of course we see nature around us and then there's the second uh, it's the second part i mean natural revelation is also our conscience right as ray mentioned say where does the conscience come from god from birth from birth right but i mean and this is a great question you can ask uh the uh evolutionists out there that that want to say that everything came from nothing think about that but um where did the conscience come from? Why do we have a conscience? Because the conscience would be antithetical to the survival of a species. So that man is without excuse. 
man's without excuse. All right, we'll get to that, Romans 1, 18 through 32. But um, so that's the second part is that you have the natural revelation around you, which is what you see. And then you have also the general revelation. You have the conscience within. And then you have special revelation. And what is special revelation? What are some of the examples of special revelation? Well, whoa, what happened? Something happened. Revelation. Uh, written revelation. What happened? And I want one too many. Yeah, all right. yeah. Okay. There we go. Special. Special revelation. So. What are examples of special revelation? First of all, we talk about natural revelation. That's what we see around. Special revelation is how God revealed himself to us. How did God reveal himself to us? How did God reveal himself to us? Besides what you see, what else? What do you mean by besides what we see? Well, besides what you see. Right? And he has created what he's allowed man to create. And his word, right? And so how did we get his word? Through what methods? How did God reveal himself to us? Inspired. Inspired. What else? How else? How did they receive it? So you had God speaking, right, to Moses. So that's a revelation. Trace it all the way back there. Speaking to the church fathers through a burning bush. Mm Mm-hmm. Burning bush, yeah. Theophanies. Yes. It does appear, though they may not have known it at the time. Right. Um, Sometimes it sounds like they did. Now, where Jesus has been revealed to us, and it's, yeah. it's in the Hebrews chapter 1, and then the Word. The Word. You just quoted. Special. Second so, Timothy. what about, what did Daniel? How did Daniel? Dreams. Dreams, Dreams right? Dreams. Um, how about um, Enoch and, no, Elisha and, Elisha and, what's the other? Elijah. E? Elijah, yeah, that's <laughs> Through a vision. Right? So these are all the ways that God used to reveal himself. And so natural revelation, we talk about the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness because that which is known about God is evident within them. So that's one way. It's also evident within them. For God made it evident to them. For since the creation, oh, there's the creation, man, they can see God in creation, of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. There we are, right? So you can see that there is a God because of his creation. Therefore, man is without excuse. They suppress the truth in unrighteousness, right? It's important to remember that reprobate man denies that truth at a very young age. You know, to, in order to deny, he always denies. People. Always. Yeah. Right. Until he's redeemed. Until they're redeemed, right? And that's the nature of that's that's man from birth, right? We're born, yeah. we're born in sin, um, but God has God has revealed Himself to us, right? In uh, Psalm uh, nineteen one through three, can you read that, Michael, from there? The the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows His handiwork. They So, based on this, what, in what ways are you able to see God from nature? Specific information. 
specific, right? You've got uh, the heavens declare the glory of God, right? And the firmament. What's the firmament? We talk about firmament. Sky. sky, yeah. The sky it shows his handiwork, right? Uh, and then the day unto day and night. What is that? This is the mechanism of time and the whole, the whole solar system and the universe is in motion, right? And there's no speech or language where their voice is not heard. So when, is there any place that you can't look up in the sky at night and just see the magnificence of creation? Oh, by the way, I think, is it this week that you can see five planets at night? Right? All kind of lined up in a line? That's only if it's cosmic. It's going to be raining all week. Yeah, last night it was about it. And it's raining until... It's raining all week. Well, you know what? I have this, I have this little app. It's called Starfinder. I can too. point it up, and it, even if there's clouds, it'll show me where everything I, I, is. I was looking at it last night. I'm like, and it's amazing, you know, you can point that in there now, and you can even point down and see what's on the other side of the earth, you know, it just, it's amazing, you know, and all, all of that, think about it, all created by God, right? Just amazing, just amazing. So, uh, we can look at, uh, how about the complexity of the human body? That's insane, who can... Think about that. It kills me when scientists, just with the whole Big Bang Theory, and, and the, who, chicken and the egg. Who created this body? I want you to tell me right now, Mr. Scientist, who put all these molecules and and just in the in the human eye? Yes, yes. This is, by the way, this is a great example to use when you're talking to the evolutionists. Yes. Explain how the eye works and how all these parts happened at the same time. Because according to evolutionary theory, any mutation that survives must improve the survivability of the species, right? And so, let's just say, oh, you have a blob, and then the blob gets two spots on it. Well, how are those two spots, which are supposedly going to mutate into eyes at some point, improve the survivability of the species? Well, it doesn't. It doesn't work. The eyes don't work until the entire system is in there, right? Yeah, and there's a, there's a, a great um, biologist by the name of... Uh, Michael Behe, and he, he had a theory called irreducible complexity. And when you talk about irreducible complexity, you look at a system and you say, what is absolutely necessary for that system to function? You take a mousetrap, for instance. You know, there's like five parts to a mousetrap. If you take any one of those off, the mousetrap doesn't work. You know, and it's, a, it's the same thing with, with vision. All of these things must work in concert for you to have vision. If any one of them doesn't, isn't there, well, then you can't see, and therefore, the species wouldn't survive, according to Darwinian theory. So, anyway, this is a great, a great example to use that. So, is there, is natural revelation enough? No. Right? It doesn't tell us. It doesn't tell us everything. Many specific things. But let's think about what can, what does natural, or what, what attributes of God can we, uh, can we determine from Creation. Omniscience, Think about those for a minute. Now you throw those words out there and people are like, oh yeah, yeah, what, what does that mean though? When we say, if God created the vast universe and everything in it, how powerful does he have to be? He's all powerful. He's more powerful than his creation, right? So there we go. He's omnipotent. And then if you're a creator, let's say you're a woodworker and you're working in the garage and you're making something, 
and you walk around this thing and you see what you've made, you are outside of your creation, right? And so you see, literally you can see your whole creation all at once and you know every part of that. So if God made everything and every molecule in the universe, he would also have to be omniscient. He's got to know everything about everything he created. And if he's able to be omniscient and know everything about it, what do we say about his position or his place? Where is he? Omnipresent. He's omnipresent. And so just those, you can come up with that just thinking through the logic of creation. And then what about the beauty of everything you see? Why are there colors? Why, you know, why uh, are there so many flowers with so stunning beauty? Well, you could say that I think God likes beauty too. There's some things about creation that are just magnificent. How could, how could we ever come up with that? What kind of mind would there have to be to come well, up with something like that? He made it largely for humans because a lot of animals don't see color. Exactly, right? You well, know? I will tell you one thing though, Ray. This is interesting. Do you know rabbits see color? They see green. Yeah. yeah. Did you know? Because where we lived in the desert before, I had a green hose out and... <laughs> I would come back in the morning and I'd know there was a bunch of chews in it. There's a rabbits who were chewing the green hose. Yeah, right. and they didn't chew any black hose. We had a black hose out too. They didn't chew that one, but they chose the chose to chew the green one. Black hose was a different material than the green hose. It was the same. It was like the rubber. <laughs> it was the same. Yes. Plastic versus rubber. Yeah. Right. So, uh, can you read this one for us, Kathy? God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir over, of all things, through whom also he made the world. We talk about the, what type of revelation would this be then? We've already covered it, but what would we call this special, special revelation? God specifically revealing himself to us through... In this case, um, many different ways. Visions and, and uh, revelation, things like that. So That's special revelation. So, here we go. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets, in many portions, in many ways, in these days he has also spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through, him, uh, through whom also he made the world. So... <clears throat> Uh, we talk about two ways in the past that he revealed himself. One is through the prophets, and the second is through his son, right? And then also from reading in the Old Testament, we can see that God spoke by way of, as, as Jim had mentioned already, theophanies. And so what is a theophany? Have you heard that term before? Theophany. What would you call a theophany, Jim? Uh, Physical appearance of, of God. Right. Yeah. So a pre it would be a pre incarnate. Um, that would be a Christophany, but where God revealed Himself in a in a form, uh, a burning bush is a theophany, and Christ uh, being revealed in the Old Testament as the specific the angel of the Lord would be a Christophany. Let me ask you a question. Yes, Striking the rock and water came forth. Is that a theophany? A Christophany? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's not a well, you know what is it? Uh, this is a uh, what do they call that word? A, um, a s s it's certainly know. a type. Yeah, a typology. It's yeah. a typology of Christ, right? Because 
he's the rock. And but it was living water. So. It was living water. He's supposed to speak to it, though, right? Yeah. yeah so. But yeah, that was a uh, definitely a um, kind of a typology of Christ because right. you know, as time went on. But. All right. So then, we say an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of the bush, and he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. So this would be your example of a theophany. And then uh, Daniel 2.19, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. Again, we have, we have visions where God is revealing things to people in... Um, in a night vision. What do we call a night vision? Dream. A dream, right? A dream. What's a day vision? A day vision is something you literally see when you're awake. But here is a, a night vision is a dream. So, um, And here. Uh, can you read that for us, Jenna? Can you see that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now it came about in the 30th year, on the fifth day of the fourth month, while I was by the river, Chabar, among the exiles, the heavens were opened, and I saw visions of God. Did you see anything? All right, and so what was this? What kind of revelation was this? Again, it's a vision, right? And speaking of vision, I, I just realized I wasn't wearing my glasses. <laughs> and the words are hard to read. So. There we go. Amazing. There they are. Yeah, you know, it's like, when were glasses invented? When were the... I know somebody we can ask. Ben Franklin was early. Ben had there. What about before that? You know, I don't think there was much. Right. So speaking of that, is that you think about Paul? Paul's issue was in his eyes. He probably was uh, very possibly really nearsighted, right? Because you see, he look how large I've written his name. And there's another example uh, where he is standing before the chief priest and he doesn't know he's speaking to the chief priest and, and the soldier strikes him and he said well you don't address the chief priest that way and he said oh i'm sorry i didn't know you were why not because the chief priest is all decked out in specific wardrobe well maybe because he couldn't see him right so and then there's the other example where paul is writing i forget which epistle this is but he said that uh the Believers would even give them, give him their eyes if they could. Another indication that he had vision issues. Okay, what other what other methods here? When we look at this, parting of the Red Sea, the flood of Genesis, plagues of Egypt, Exodus. So, what? How is God revealing Himself to us in these particular signs and miracles, right? Or signs sometimes you call signs and wonders, right? So, or miracles and signs. So. And they're not subtle. Those are not I mean, subtle, right? With these particular ones, they're not subtle by the wayside that affect a few people and, right. you know, that, I mean, those three specific, that's a big deal. Yeah. I mean, I can imagine with the second one, I can imagine the majority of the people figure that one out pretty quick. Mm -hmm. But it's yeah, not all but just, all but eight, right? I mean, you really can't, yeah, you really can't fight that. Science... Right? You just can't. Yeah. But so, I mean, the parting of the Red Sea, you think about that, right? It's insane, because people thought it was like a little river. I mean, it was a big deal. It's a big deal. 
And well, the, liber uh, the liberal theologians say the Reed Sea. Yeah, the Reed Sea. Because it was just, yeah. a just a bunch they of marshy stuff, right? The tide went out and they yeah. walked across. Yeah, right. People think Moana, you know, oh, you yeah. know. Of course, the big question would be how did they all drown in a marsh? In a marsh, yeah, right? Exactly. <laughs> well, they were very clumsy. <laughs> oh, they were just, you know, stumbling drunks, right? And they yeah. fell down and couldn't get out. Or, there was a deep spot. Yeah. Something like that. Uh, but the deep spot, apparently, the Israelis could avoid, right? So. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. But, yeah, so these are, uh, again, the, this is God. And, what, and so we call it a miracle. What does that really mean? What is a miracle? A miracle would be a suspension of natural law for a specific purpose. For, to demonstrate God's power. So, for instance, when he separates the water from the water, the Red Sea, and the land is dry when they walk on it, this is a mirror. This is a uh, um, suspension of what? Gravity? Yeah? Holding the water up like that. Uh, and then the Genesis flood. This is a just a, a use of power and geological change uh, to create the flood. And, and atmospheric change, right? And then, of course, the plagues, multiple uh, uses of biological manifestations there. So. Okay. Did I do that? Sorry. Yeah, and so here it is, uh, uh, eyewitness, right? From what, what was from the beginning, what we have heard, and what we have seen with our eyes... Oh, wait, speak of that. <laughs> what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life, and the life was manifested, and we have seen and testified and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifest to us. What we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you. So what do we, what do we call that? When someone's seen and heard and then proclaim it. Objective witness. There are, yeah, eyewitnesses, it's right? Not so mystery. There's nothing mystery, mysterious about it. And what do, how do we use that today? Witnesses, right? When you have a court of law and you have a crime that was committed, you bring in an eyewitness who testifies what they saw. So here we have the eyewitnesses of Jesus Christ as testifying. You, as a young Christian, your first witness is what Jesus did for you. People say, well, I don't think I know enough scripture to witness you have the ability to tell what Christ did. That's right. That's what, in fact, John MacArthur says, well, I've heard him say it many times, is that if you know enough to be saved, yeah, right. you know enough to share the gospel. Right? That's right. You can tell what happened in your own life. And, and, uh, you don't have to answer every possible question. No. Right. So. so we have eyewitnesses. But does that mean that God has revealed himself, uh, all of himself to us? No. No, right? Because the secret things belong to our Lord, to the Lord our God, but the things revealed to us, uh, revealed belong to us and, and to our sons forever that we may observe all the words of this law. So God did not reveal himself completely to us. Right? And that's, he's left a lot of things that are, um, that can be discovered through the study of his word. And uh, what's that one passage it says uh, um, the hidden things are there for kings to reveal right? it's through, and it's literally through the study of God's word right yeah okay with that then um, 
What did we cover so far? God's revealed unto himself in what ways? What ways has he received? Tracy, in what ways has God? Two ways, right? In general or special revelation and, uh, I mean, sorry, natural revelation natural and then general witness uh, where we have seen. Right? And then also through his word, right? Which is specific revelation. And through, when we talk about specific or special revelation, we're talking about uh, speaking, where God spoke directly, visions, dreams, miracles and signs, and also eyewitnesses. Right. So, what to do for next week is to learn the memory verse, um, and then continue working on lesson one of the study guide to familiarize yourself with the structure of the Bible. And we'll get to that, um, I think, probably about our third, our third session here. Okay. Any questions about anything we covered? I kind of rushed through things. You know. Not that many, not that many people here, so not that many questions. Not that many, so. but it's okay. So then. Uh, no questions, let me pray for us, and we'll, we'll dismiss. Father God, thank you so much for uh, this morning and for the opportunity to study your word and just to study how you have uh, revealed yourself to us, Lord, through your creation and through special revelation and that we can uh, trust your word as being true and uh, that it's evident by what's around us. And so... We just pray, Lord, that you would help us to contemplate that and to live it out in our own lives with a full understanding of who you are, that you are sovereign over everything, you are omnipotent, you are omniscient, you are, uh, and, and um, that we can trust in you, Lord. And so uh, we just pray that you would bring us, uh, bring us back next week and ask that you bless us the rest of this day and the week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.